Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley. Today, we're starting something new. It's the Law of Attraction Book Club, and this is a special series we'll be doing in amongst our regular interviews and other things we do. So our first book is Joshua's first book, A Perception of Reality. What you're going to hear is me reading the first, uh, in this case, will be the introduction. And then as we go through the weeks, we'll go through the other chapters and complete the entire book. After I've read this section, which is the introduction, then we'll be joined by a group of boot campers and we'll discuss what we've just read. So it should be fun. This, I think it's gonna last about an hour and a half and uh, I'd love to know what you think. So please leave a review of this podcast and absolutely share it with your friends because this is a neat way of doing it. You're not just listening to the audiobook, you're listening to the audiobook plus our commentary on it to see how we're using this stuff in our lives and maybe you'll get some even some more insights. Uh, we have a new boot camp starting on January 11th. This one is going to be boot camp number 13. Uh, January 11, 2021. So this is going to set us uh, up for hopefully a wonderful year. Well, definitely a wonderful year if you're looking at it from the proper perspective. And uh, there's a lot of stuff coming in 2021. I don't can't imagine a better way of of getting ready for this new year and all the things that are coming in this new year. Uh, also, we uh, have a Facebook group called Friends of Joshua. Please go on Facebook and find that group and ask to join and we'll let you in. And if you want to know more about Joshua and the teachings of Joshua, please visit theteachingsofjoshua.com. All right, enjoy this episode. The Teachings of Joshua, A Perception of Reality by Gary Temple Bodley. Introduction to the Teachings of Joshua. Everything is right. There is no wrong anywhere in the universe. Anything perceived as wrong is an illusion. It only seems wrong from the narrow perception of your physical reality. From the broader viewpoint, whether it's the perception of non-physical or the broader view of history, nothing is ever wrong. It is always, always right. From your perception and your physical state right now, you can easily think of many events in history that all seem wrong to you. All wars, all deaths, all injustices seem wrong. But these events were all part of a larger reality you now experience. If not for these events, you would be living a different reality altogether. In fact, quite literally, you would not exist. Your actual physical existence, as you see it, is absolutely the result or product of all the events that have ever happened in the history of your Earth. If any single event had not happened exactly the way it did, you would not exist. This may seem unbelievable to you right now, but once you understand the mechanism that controls universal forces, you will understand our meaning. Everything is right. We have come to teach you the broader perspective that we see. If you could view your world as we see it, you would love everything. You would love your planet. You would love your government. You would love the wealthy and the poor equally. You would be filled with joy at the existence of the most talented among you as well as the most troubled among you. All equally, it is all the same to us, all wonderful, all beautiful. We say these things so that you can see your world as we see it. For once you do, your world will change, incredibly for the better. We come to teach you these things we know, so you can live a wonderful life while you are here. You will come to know what we know eventually. When you die, you will know what we know. 
We hope you come to know it as fully as you are able now. You are a creator. Your creation is you. You can be anything you want. It is all up to you. You may not understand this to be the truth of your life, but it is. You think other forces control your fate, but they do not. You are absolutely in charge of your life. It doesn't matter what has happened in your life up to this exact moment. Everything that has happened up to this moment has perfectly unfolded to bring you these pages and to the awareness that there is something more. You create your life. You are an eternal being who has lived countless lives. That is true of everyone you know. You are eternal. That means there is no death as you understand it. You are experiencing what you call reality right now. In this moment, what you see around you, what you sense, what you perceived is called reality. However, it's just a perception of reality. It seems physical, but it is the non-physical simply organized into a state of reality. There seem to be walls and tables and rivers and mountains and the sun, etc. These are all vibrations you are interpreting as reality. It's all beautiful, and it's fun to experience this reality. It's fun to be alive, to see beautiful things, to have wonderful relationships, to taste food, and to drink water. You come to this experience of physical reality for the joy of it and for the expansion of you. Physical reality is not really physical at all. All molecules are held together by non-physical energies that create whatever you perceive. If you perceive a chair, the one you are sitting on right now, for example, it's a chair that is completely unique, created in your mind, and perceived as real through your senses. You did not manufacture the chair, but you did attract it into your existence. You know it's a chair. Because you know it's a chair, you can sit on it. You can move it. You might be able to destroy it or sell it or give it away. The knowing is what makes it real. If you did not know it was a chair, it would not exist in your reality. If someone led you to knowing it was a chair, then it would exist in your reality. The only things that exist in your reality are the things you know. You could use the term believe, but that is less powerful than knowing. Knowing is absolute. When you were a baby, you did not know very much. That's why it's difficult to remember much from that time in your life. As you learn to perceive, your world filled in. The more you knew, the more you perceived. You cannot perceive anything you do not know. However, you can know anything if you can be led to the knowing of it. This is the sticking point for most humans. You are conditioned by your experience to believe in certain things. These beliefs form your world as you alone perceive it. Everyone has a unique set of variable beliefs, and thus each person lives quite a unique experience. These beliefs hold you back as much as they help you. If you believe the poor are lazy or the rich are greedy, you will live a certain life based on those beliefs. If you believe the world is wonderful, that there is no danger, that joy and abundance are your birthright, then you will live that experience. Beliefs shape your perception of the world. The wonderful thing is that your beliefs can change more easily than you think. Don't worry about that now because it is our intention to lead you in a way that will help you mold your beliefs. You are the creator of your existence and you create your beliefs. You could construct a sculpture of magnificent beauty if you were led to the skills needed to create such a work. It might take a little time, but if you had the interest and patience, you would be able to create a work of art. We will give you the tools. And if you have the interest and a little patience, you will create a masterpiece that is the highest version of you.
Everything is right and everyone is right. There is no wrong anywhere in the universe. There are no wrong people. Everyone is living their existence as best they can. You must come to understand that everyone is striving for the best life for them. But all of you are blocking yourselves from your most wonderful possible life in some fashion. Some of you live amazing, incredible lives, but all of you are doing things that prevent you from reaching higher, more wonderful life experiences. The belief that others have control over you or can impact your life is one of the ways in which you hold yourselves apart from your finest possible life experience. From our perspective, your life is wonderful, but you are holding yourselves apart from an even richer experience. You are the absolute creator of you. No one can create you but you. All other people create in their own experience, but cannot create in your experience. Your belief that they can is an illusion. It's a very powerful illusion, and few have come to realize they control their life 100%. Your parents, your spouse, your children, your employers, your police, your government have absolutely no power to create in your life. You allow them to affect your creation, which is you and your life. They have no power unless, by your focus of attention, you allow them to affect your experience. As a child, you were conditioned by your parents, teachers, and others, and that is why you think they have control. However, they never did. In fact, when you were young and understood the laws of the universe, you impacted their lives in a far greater way. Over the years, they wanted you to conform to their understanding of life, rules, behavior, etiquette, judgment, etc. They wanted you to conform. No running, no laughing, no loud noises. Sit up straight, eat everything on your plate, don't talk back, don't fight, go to school, be good, and so on. Conformity is not natural for a child. You rebelled every step of the way until you became a teenager and you would not tolerate it any longer. The time of rebellion does not last long, however, and most of you soon conform to social norms. You were not allowed the time or freedom to discover your inner selves. You knew this inner self as a child, but you forgot it along the way. The inner self is where all your guidance in life is found. You are unique to all the world and to all of history. There has never been another like you in all of existence. You, as the creator of your life, are the center of the universe. Since you are the creator, the universe does revolve around you. This is an important truth that, quite likely, you were never told. It's a truth that you may have difficulty believing at this time. If you are the center of the universe, then what about everyone else? They too are the center of their universes. This truth means that there are infinite universes, all unfolding simultaneously. This concept may be hard for you to grasp at the moment, but we ask you to play along with us for a bit and see how it unfolds for you. The universe has a primary law that holds it together, called the law of attraction. Like is drawn to like. What you think manifests in your reality. What another thinks manifests in their reality. It's simply the way of the universe, and it is absolute and consistent. If it works for one, it works for all. So if you are the creator of your life, and all others are the creators of their lives, then you are the center of your universe, and each and every other individual is the center of their universe. Therefore, there are multiple universes all entangled, unfolding, and working together at the same time. If you believe this one aspect of reality, you can set yourself free. 
you no longer need to be involved in the lives of others. Since they create their own reality, and you create your own reality, and because they cannot create in your reality, and you cannot create in their reality, then it really doesn't matter what you do, and it doesn't matter what they do. You are free, they are free. You can be who you want to be, and they are free to be who they want to be. You have an inner guidance system directed by your inner self who understands you. There is a you that you do not fully know at this time. You have an understanding that there is more to you, but you have little knowledge of that part of you. We would like you to get to know the entire you. You have the perspective of the individual in your body. You live through your senses by what you observe of the outside world, but there are vast resources within. These resources can be utilized by looking inward. Discovering who you are on the inside is as valuable, if not more valuable, than understanding who you are on the outside. Who you are on the outside at this present moment is the product of your experiences up to this point. Much of those experiences developed from the events and circumstances that trace your life. But unseen in those experiences are the feelings and emotions you had at the time. Those feelings and emotions are much harder to remember than the actual events. However, they played a very large part in the unfolding of those events. Your feelings and emotions are resources from your inner self. They are part of your guidance system. They form your experiences. What you think and what you feel creates your reality. But there's also the aspect of time. Your reality does not instantly materialize. It is molded over time. It is created through your thoughts, feelings, and emotions and unfolds based on what your feelings indicate. You are the product of your overall set of variable thoughts, emotions, and feelings. What you predominantly think and feel, you predominantly live. Can you think of a happy event in your life? Your first kiss, your wedding, the birth of a child, or maybe your first car. These were all predetermined by your desires. You had consistent feelings that led to the outcome of these events. You thought about each event in your mind countless times before it materialized. You came to know that the event was possible. Then you felt hope that it could come to you. It became likely, and then you knew it would come, and it materialized into your physical reality. It was not difficult, and it seemed natural. Your life unfolds, good or bad, based on your thoughts and feelings. However, your memory is the manifestation and not of the thoughts and feelings that led to the manifestation. You might have been aware that you created each event, or you might have thought fate led you to the outcome, but it was consistent thought that led you from possibility to hope to likelihood to actualization. The time lag between the initial idea and the outcome is directly related to the pace in which you travel from possibility to hope to likelihood to knowing. Once you know something, it has manifested. Memory there is not particularly helpful because you cannot identify the thoughts and feelings that led to the event. You only remember the event. Usually you cannot trace the path of thoughts that led to the outcome. Memory is but a blurry shadow of the event. If you can understand the mechanism of manifestation, you can create life in whatever fashion you desire. You can move forward from possibility to hope to likelihood to knowing quickly and easily. Doubt is what keeps you from achieving your dreams. It slows the pace of manifestation. 
It holds you in place, stalled, without the power of momentum. There is a natural momentum that leads from idea to manifested reality. Doubt hinders that momentum. Fear and doubt are the same thing. They are projections of unwanted future outcomes of an idea. They are also potential manifestations that are as valid as the desire. When you desire something, you do so in the future tense. Doubt and fear are also based on future outcome or possibility. The desire is one outcome and the doubt is another. Since only one outcome can occur, the one with the strongest momentum will be the likely result. If you desire a mate, you have come through life experience to know what you prefer at a given point in time. You have identified what you like and what you don't like. You might think about the type of person you're looking for, what attributes that person possesses, maybe their body type, personality, intelligence, and many other facets of their overall being. You might have idealized versions of this person based on characters from your past, either real or fictional. But your desire is clear. You need not write it down. It is known by the universe entirely as you feel it. The universe will deliver the physical manifestation of your exact desire. It will be perfect in every way. The one person who is identical to your actual desire will come to you. The universe knows the full version of you and the full version of your ideal mate. The universe will present that person to you absolutely. However, there is momentum that must occur for this to happen. As you consistently think and feel about the possibility of a mate, universal forces are at work and the manifestation is in progress. If you are aligned with your desire, it will come quickly. If, however, you have doubt, the manifestation stalls. You might think many thoughts that stall the manifestation, such as, I'm not worthy of this person. I might not be physically attractive enough for this person. I might not live in the same area as this person. This person might be in another relationship. I want this exact person who is not interested in me. I enjoy the freedom of being single. The new person might not like my family. The new person may believe in different things. You see, there are endless ways in which doubt enters your thoughts and stalls momentum right at the beginning of the desire. Let's say you have an idea for your new mate. The idea is the first phase of manifestation and you are aligned with it. You feel ready and comfortable with the idea of a new relationship. You are not experiencing any doubt at this stage and you create the feeling of possibility or hope. You look around with anticipation, wondering who the person will be and how they will show up. You are soon introduced to someone who is also ready for a new relationship. You successfully meet and begin your relationship. Fear and doubt once again have the potential to enter your thoughts. You might start to worry about where the relationship will end up. You might project negative possibilities into the future. At this stage, the negative possibilities also have momentum and can just as easily manifest. It all depends on your predominance of feelings and thoughts. Remember, you create your reality. It has nothing to do with the thoughts and emotions of your new mate. They cannot create in your reality. They can only create in their reality. If you have negative thoughts about future outcomes and they seem to align with those thoughts, it's because you created them and your mate is just going along with your version of reality. The opposite is also true. If you can maintain positive expectations of the relationship, your new mate will align with your positive expectations. This is the mechanism of reality, and it cannot be otherwise. It is the basis of the universe. Positive and negative expectations are both legitimate 
and equally able to create probabilities in the universal system of manifestation. They are alike in certain ways. However, well-being is the basis of the universe, and probabilities tend towards well-being in general. The lesson here is that you have control over every outcome through your conscious awareness of the mechanism of manifestation. Fear is thought projection of an unwanted outcome. It is a path towards an end that is unpleasant based on your current understanding of what you do and do not want. You have control over fear. Fear and worry are the same. Worry, however, tends to be a repetitive thought form, even more so than fear. Fear is often the result of analysis at the point of a decision. Worry is a thought form that tends to be repeated over and over again. Therefore, it carries more intrinsic possibilities for future outcomes than fear. A fearful thought is brief. Worry can be chronic. Once worry is initiated, it gains momentum and it becomes a real possibility on its own. Worry is obsessive, compulsive, and more difficult to correct once the momentum takes hold. The opposite of worry is knowing. Trust is a factor in knowing. You may not see the air you breathe, but you know it's there, and you trust it'll be there for the next breath. At the moment of your next breath, you know the air is there, and again trust that it will be there for each subsequent breath. The tool for overcoming fear and worry is trust. If you trust the laws of the universe as much as you trust the law of gravity, you will be able to overcome fear and worry. If you understand that you are the creator of you and that you are the center of your universe, you will gain trust in the laws of the universe. You are a magnificent, worthy being, and this world has been created for your pleasure, expansion, and joy. You are not given complete memory of the laws and mechanisms of the universe when you were born. This would have hindered your growth. As you come into alignment with your inner self, you will gain much joy, understanding, and expansion as you create wonderful experiences in your life. The purpose of this life is expansion. Expansion without joy is not meaningful expansion. You cannot have joy without alignment with your inner self. Therefore, the first step to joyous expansion is alignment with your inner self. You live in a form of reality in which the external world takes up much, if not all, of your attention. You are designed to use your senses to navigate this wonderful planet on which you live. However, it was never intended for you to live fully outside yourself. Your life has meaning within as well. In fact, you must live a balanced life to have joyous expansion. You must align with your inner self. Your outer world is what you see, feel, smell, hear, taste, and even sense. The inner world exists in your mind, in your heart, inside your body, in your solar plexus. Your inner world is your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. There must be an awareness of your inner world as well, if there is to be alignment. Once you achieve an understanding that your inner world shapes your outer world, only then will you have the freedom and ability to mold your life experience as you wish it to be. Without an understanding of your inner world, you are left to the whims of your random thoughts. If you understood how your thoughts, feelings, and emotions create your outer world experience prior to its manifestation into your reality, then your world would exist exactly as you would want it to. Your inner world creates your outer world. This is not how you and almost all of humanity sees life. The opposite seems true in your experience. You believe your thoughts, feelings, and emotions are based on what has occurred in the outer world. 
If someone is rude to you, you feel an unpleasant emotion. Maybe that emotion can be called that of a victim or of someone unworthy. You think the rude person made you feel the emotion because the emotion occurred after the rude comment. Therefore, the emotion was the result of the rude comment. However, the rude comment was simply reinforcing your belief that you are a victim or that you are unworthy. Reality is a mirror to your inner feelings and predomination of thought. To the extent that you have those feelings, the universe will provide evidence to validate those feelings. This is simply the universe creating your version of reality. If on the other hand, you have consistent thoughts of beauty, worthiness, confidence, etc., then the universe will fill in your world with more confirmation of those feelings. You are the product of the life you've lived through the predominance of your thoughts to this point. If you can change your thoughts, feelings, and emotions, you will change your life. It's as simple as that. The change may not be simple, but the mechanism is simple. The stronger your beliefs, the harder it will be to change your thoughts. If you believe the world is blessed with well-being, love, freedom, and joy, it will be difficult to change your beliefs because you see nothing but love, well-being, freedom, and joy. If you believe that people are unkind, that life is hard, that resources are scarce, it will be difficult to change your beliefs because all you've known is cruelty, hardship, and scarcity. How can you change your beliefs for the better if the universe has proven to you that you've been right all these years? The path to change is through the knowledge of the laws of the universe and the mechanism by which these laws operate. The tool to changing beliefs is in gaining a new perspective on life. The first step towards change is the idea that change is possible. Can you change your beliefs? Is it possible in any way? Can you know something different than that which you have lived every day of your existence? We know you can. We know you will. We will lead you if you are willing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first ever podcast of the Law of Attraction Book Club. And we are going to get started today. We've never done this before, so this is a brand new thing we're doing. I'm Gary Temple Bodley, and my co-host is Tracy DeLuise. We are going to be with a group of people, and the people will probably grow as we grow this podcast. But we're going to start with the first book, and this is Joshua's first book, A Perception of Reality. And today we'll be discussing the introduction. If you're listening to this podcast, you have heard me read that introduction, and now we're going to talk about it as we go through this. But first, I want to tell you a little bit background of who I am and how Joshua came through me. I am Gary Temple Bodley, and I channel Joshua. Joshua is a lot like Abraham, bringing forth, you know, teachings about physical reality, the laws of the universe, the law of attraction, and how we can best operate as physical beings in this reality, what this reality is all about and who we truly are. Once we understand who we truly are, we start living this exploration of our authentic self. And when we start living as the creators of our reality rather than, than the victims of fate, things just start happening and we become highly effective. And we sort of drop our resistance and allow these experiences that we intended to experience prior to our birth to naturally unfold. The, that true life, that life that we intended to live is always coming to us, but because we are approaching life from this you know, perspective of trying to control everything, we resist it because we think we need to make things happen 
rather than to allow things to happen. So my life, I was born in Johannesburg, South Africa. My family moved all around the world. I grew up in San Diego. I spent a year after that in Johannesburg and then in Michigan and then most of my life in San Diego and then Boca Raton, Florida. When I graduated college, well, actually, even going to college, I went to college to try and prove my worthiness, to prove I was a you know, successful person. And so I went to college, didn't get much out of it. Then I had no idea what I wanted to do, so I ended up in real estate. And I started a big business when I was you know, in my 20s. I was trying to prove worthiness through the outside conditions. I became rather successful. And I didn't feel worthy when I became successful, so I pushed it even further and then everything collapsed, I had to start over again. I did the same thing, built another big real estate company, became very, very successful. Then in 2008, the financial crisis wiped me out and I had to start over again. In starting over, I uh, was given the secret by Deborah Joe, and that led me on this spiritual journey. And then I found Abraham and got really into Abraham and then life sort of turned around and I was now, I had found my passion in life, my passions, and I was fully involved in renovating houses and playing poker professionally and did quite well in both those things and was enjoying life and everything was going good. And then I had this huge desire to start meditating. And I was always resisting meditating my whole life, but then I heard Jerry Seinfeld and a whole bunch of other people were meditating. So I started, I tried it. And I started with the Abraham meditations and I got really, really, really into meditating. And I wouldn't, you know, it's hard at first, but I got better and better and better. And then in meditation, I felt a presence on the side of my face, in my jaw, under my skin, as if a hand was on my jawbone. And it would come while I was meditating. It was very obvious and it was felt like a presence. And so, one day I started asking it questions as if I was in the hot seat with Abraham and I got these answers back really quickly. And I thought it was, I was crazy and this wasn't real, but I kept doing it. And one day I said, who is this? And the answer came back instantly. We are Joshua. And so I was blown away and still thought I was crazy and still thought I was making it up, but I kept talking to Joshua and getting all these great answers back. And then one day, November 15th, 2013, so just about six years ago, um, Joshua said, get up and go right, right, right. And so I got up, went to my home office, closed the door, turned on my computer, and just started typing. That was November 15th, and that morning, it took maybe an hour or so, I typed out the entire introduction to this first book, A Perception of Reality. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, the next day, I got up and wrote again, and chapter one was started with a title, and it was exactly like I was, uh, you know, someone was dictating to me, and I was just typing up a book that had already been written. So all the, the entire book is exactly what I wrote is in this book. The only thing I changed was typos. So today, we're going to talk about the introduction, and what's amazing about this introduction is that the entirety of Joshua's teachings are summed up in the first three words of the introduction. And does anyone have those first three words in front of them? No? Okay, I'll tell you what those three words are. There are a group of people here, they're muted right now, but they're gonna come in whenever they wanna talk. So this is a book club and 
And uh, the first three words are, everything is right. So imagine that, imagine that now that there's five books in Joshua and all these podcasts and answers to people's questions all over the world and all the events we have and everything that's been going on, there's those three words sum up the entirety of the teachings, everything is right. There is no wrong anywhere in the universe. Anything perceived as wrong is done so from a limited perspective. But from the higher perspective, whether that's a bit of time that's passed or from the perspective of non-physical, everything is always, always right. Okay, that's a weird thing to say, right? Everything is right? What do you mean there's no wrong anywhere? Well, if you perceive anything is wrong, you're just perceiving it from a limited perspective. And what is that limited perspective? The perspective is from you as an individual, you think it's wrong, right? Because your beliefs are telling you that that person shouldn't have said that thing, or I shouldn't have gotten this bill, or my car shouldn't have broke down, or all the, you know, people shouldn't be starving on this side of the world, no one should be living in poverty, all these things we think are wrong, but that comes from our perspective, which just means we don't have all the information. If we had more information, then we could see how they're right. And that, and since our inner selves and, and, and who we are in source itself exists in the non-physical, they are without fear, they see everything from the higher perspective. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest concepts for people to grasp when they first start getting into this is that everything is right. And, you know, there's just so many people come in or like, well, what about this? What about child abuse? What about that? What about this? Yeah, they're, they're, everything can't be right. But when you adopt that, you know, that understanding, it's, yeah, you can see. Yeah. Yeah, because when you get the clarity, it releases so much worry and stress. It if I was on blood pressure medicine, I wouldn't have to be on it now because you get it, you know? It's the way it's supposed to be. It's a, their path. It's That's a right. Freedom. It's a wonderful freedom. Yes, freedom. Yeah. It is very freeing. Yeah. So what, what we're learning is that everyone comes here to experience something. And most of the things that humans experience aren't available in the non-physical. So lack is just not available in the non-physical. How do you explore lack of the non-physical when you have everything you need, right? So we come here and we, all of us explore lack to some, some degree. And you could be a multimillionaire and you're, gonna, you're going to experience lack. It might be, not be the lack of money, it might be the lack of time or the lack of loving relationships or the lack of knowing who you are, that sort of thing. But since we've explored it enough, well, now we can do some other exploration. Amen. So this book, A Perception of Reality, talks about how reality is organized and what it really is. And, you know, if you, if you start with this idea that everything's right, well, how are we creating our reality, right? And we're creating a reality where some things are wrong and some things are right. And so when we feel positive emotion, that's the indication that we're perceiving reality as our inner self is perceiving it. And when we feel negative emotion, it's this illusion that something is wrong is happening. There's some sort of danger there. Um, so anyway, 
in this uh, third paragraph, Joshua says, your actual physical existence as you see it is absolutely the result or product of all the events that have ever happened in your life. Now that means that you've, you know, were born into a family and you had, you know, these experiences of your youth, you've made certain decisions and you've adopted a set of beliefs. And those beliefs are responsible for how you perceive your reality. I don't know if, you know, anyone else really goes into the depth of talking about beliefs as Joshua does, because we have the ability to adjust those beliefs. The law of attraction says that when you attract something, you have it forever. You can't push anything away. This is an attractive reality. And so when we've attracted our beliefs, they're with us forever. You can't say that's a limiting belief and I want to get rid of it, but you can reduce the intensity of that belief. And that's how we have control over reality. We can choose our beliefs and we can increase the intensity of beneficial or empowering beliefs and we can reduce the intensity of limiting beliefs. So our choice then is our choice of perspective. Are we gonna look at things from a higher perspective or are we gonna look at things from the limited perspective? Right, you never thought about that before. Like you have a choice, you don't have to take for granted what's happening. You can say, maybe this thing that's happening isn't really bad. Maybe it's affecting someone else, but I don't need to experience it. Or maybe it's affecting me, but maybe it isn't bad. Maybe some good is gonna come from this, you know? And so that's your perspective. You could see it as bad, or you could change your perspective and try and figure out how it could be good for you. That's the higher perspective, right? So the next paragraph is, we have come to teach you the broader perspective that we see. If you could view your world as we see it, you would love everything. You would love your planet, you would love your government, you would love the wealthy and the poor equally, you'd be filled with joy at the existence of the most talented among you as well as the most troubled among you. Everything equally, it is all the same to us, all wonderful, all beautiful. Right? How do you get to that perspective to see everything as perfect as it is, especially yourself? I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. If we can't ever really, really get rid of those limiting beliefs that we pass down, is that why when we're trying to stay in a, in a, of a situation of acceptance that now and then we kind of fall off the wagon? and we can't accept something at that moment. Yeah, so um, like if you have that fundamental belief that everything is right and that something's happening in the moment that causes you to feel negative emotion, two things are happening. One is, is your inner self is sending you a message that you are looking at this subject as if there's some danger there, right? As if right. something bad could happen. Right. But if there's no wrong anywhere in the universe and everything is right, mm -hmm. then why is this thing coming to you? Well, it's coming to you to point out that you have a limiting belief. Mm -hmm. 
right? So there's yeah. benefit in all these things you think are wrong because if you didn't have that limiting belief, you couldn't see it as wrong. And what the universe is trying to do is show you that the only reason you see it as wrong is because you have this limiting belief, right? If you didn't have the limiting belief, you couldn't see it as wrong. Therefore, you can find that limiting belief and now you can prove that it's false because all limiting beliefs are false and all beneficial beliefs are true. Okay, do you have an example of something that happened? Well, I, I'm getting that uh, it's kind of like a reminder to feel against that limiting belief to remember that everything is right. Yeah. So it kind of uh, yeah, help calm me down, let's say, if something's going on and I get hot about it, I'm like, oh, how could this, oh, you know, everything's right. Yeah. 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 Kind of like a reminder. Yeah. And then you, and then you find the limiting belief. Why do you think it's wrong? Uh, Okay. It's wrong because things should be different than they are. Well, you just don't have all the information. So say you apply for a job, you don't get the job. You really wanted the job. Um, But if you got the job based on your vibration now, maybe that job would not be the best job for you. Or if you, you know, break up with somebody and you're like, why do they leave me? Well, maybe to let you find someone better who's more of a match to you. And so we can all trace back to our first breakups we ever had. And from our perspective now, we look back and say, thank God that breakup happened because, you know, I don't, wouldn't have wanted to be with that person the whole time. I like where I am now. I saw that smooch. (laughs) (laughs) Got a couple of smooching over there. (laughs) So you're the creator of your reality. Your creation is you. What does that mean? Your creation is you. Well, you get to create whoever you are. And how do you do that? Well, you get to do that by adjusting your beliefs. And primarily, you adjust your belief about who you are, how capable you are, how... um, you know, what you're going to do in this life, what you're going to explore. And some people have huge limiting beliefs about who they are. And other people have somehow got over those limiting beliefs, right? So they see themselves as more capable. Now, you know, I don't want to give away the end of all five books, but what's really happening here is as you, we are all, limitless and magnificent beings of pure positive love and acceptance. But we're all being limited in some way. We all, and all those limitations are self-imposed because we see ourselves as not magnificent or limitless or beings of pure positive love and acceptance. Who we truly are, are aspects of source. So imagine if we are all source, and source is perfect, but we perceive ourselves as being imperfect, well then all we're doing is applying this limitation that we've imposed on ourselves. Source understands it's perfect, but we think we're imperfect. That's all it is. All right, the next part of this is we are eternal beings. There is no death. Does anyone resonate with that idea or is, that, or is everyone afraid of death? 
<laughs> I think I was having a conversation with someone the other day. I can't remember who it was, but um, it was more about not being afraid of death, but being afraid that it's going to hurt, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, for that one minute, you know, that one second. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. But when you, <laughs> when you practice and, you know, um, start to really truly believe and understand that, yes, we are eternal and it's okay, you know? I can come back again and, you know, it, it definitely eases the, um, the fear of death. Chris, were you going to say something? Yeah, for, uh, for personally, I, I've always had that feeling or thoughts in my gut. I've always had that belief system ever since I was little, um, always. And when you look at traditional um, religion and stuff like that, when you're brought up in a strong Christian, you know, um, community, uh, it, it, it contradicts what your, your gut is feeling. So even though, you know, I'm in my forties now, it was to learn that it was such, it was comforting because it, it just validated what was naturally inside already. And it made complete sense. And so now when I interact with others, it's like, uh, we we've interacted before intentionally i might have been your son or your dad or your uncle or your mom yeah <laughs> previously <laughs> you know but uh it, it's very liberating because it's like okay this is just part of a journey i'm experiencing things i want to maximize my experience while i'm here go back to you know the source universe figure out what that next check the box will be for the next round <laughs> right yeah yeah chris were you telling me the story when you were a kid that you were transported into another car while you were yeah driving? yeah tell that, that story. actually that happened i was probably nine or ten years old um my mom my mom and dad uh we would visit my uh my grandparents up in wisconsin during holidays most of the time. And we were driving up by 90, my dad was driving. And I remember a car, um, you know, we were in the right lane, the car was passing us in the left lane. And for whatever reason, I saw the guy and it was the most interesting experience I've ever had where I literally somehow jumped into that guy's body for a second and i could feel all of his anxiety and his stress and his um just the weight of his whatever was going on in his body at that time uh weighing him down and it, and it freaked me out <laughs> but i could definitely feel the presence of being um inside the um, a man's body you know because you know as a little boy you don't know what you don't know yeah and you uh, it just all the worries and stress that uh, a, a man would feel when living a life of resistance and struggle i felt all of it it was so real to me and then all of a sudden i was it because it was so real and then the reality in my mind like whoa i think that's i just was there you know and it's scared and i kind of jumped back into my normal uh normalcy as a nine or ten year old boy and uh you know it freaked me out it was so scared i'm like i shut that down i'm like I'm never gonna let that happen again yeah <laughs> which would and, and i haven't i haven't yeah. but i do i do as i've been doing the meditations and opening up my mind more i have noticed now how um how much i 
feel others' energy around me. And it is crazy how emotional I've become just through, um, through feeling others. It's crazy. It's, it's so it's, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that, but yeah. Well, um, we're going to go on to learn that this is a feeling reality. And the only thing that matters is how you feel. And we never know how anyone else is feeling. And so you could look at someone you think is successful, but they could be totally feeling the way that man felt, you know, all this pressure, all this resistance. The key is not, you know, to have the successful American life. The key is to feel good. And in feeling good, we connect with source consciousness. Yeah, that's a great story. I tell it all the time. Um, So we've lived countless lives before. And so this idea that we're eternal gives us a perspective now that, that we are more than who we think we are. And that what fear is to a finite being is different to an eternal being. Um, your inner self will give you negative emotion if you perceive some danger. Most of the time that danger is, that fear is irrational because the danger is not going to kill you. But even, and that means that you're, you're looking at it from a limited perspective based on limiting beliefs, the belief that something bad could happen to you. But that's even true if you are in actual physical danger because you'll still feel that negative emotion, which means that your inner self is really saying, if you die, it's no big deal. You know, you're just going to return to non-physical where it's all joy and love and happiness anyway. You know, it's this, this limiting belief that you need to stay alive, which of course is based in the survival instinct. But we're learning more and more and more how to analyze our fears so that we can live a more effective life while we're here. Okay. If you listen to the Joshua Live that we did yesterday, which actually you'll have to go back because we're not going to release this for a while. But... Joshua ended it by talking about, you know, the dimensions of physical reality and what that is. Well, they briefly talk about it here where physical reality is not physical at all. All molecules are held together by non-physical energies that create whatever you perceive. If you perceive a chair, the one you're sitting in now, for example, it's a chair that is completely unique, created in your mind, and perceived as real through your senses. You didn't manufacture the chair, but you did attract it into your existence. You know it's a chair. That knowing, which Joshua talks about, when you know something, it becomes real to you. And you can know anything, right? We, we tend to sort of believe things, but we don't know them. There, we, we, then there's things that we do know, like this desk is always going to be here. So when I come here, that desk is here. But this desk is unique to me. Um, and so it, this all, you know, that tree is real. This house seems real. It's all this stuff. But it's all molecules that are refreshed every moment in our perception. And we're just seeing it as tangible. You know, when you feel something, there's actually an invisible layer between your fingers and the things you're feeling. They just, uh, they just, <clears throat> um, did some experiment with that and found that there's, a layer of molecules so you never ever really touch anything which there's like this little field around everything that makes it seem physical solid yeah Yeah. but nothing's really solid (laughs) (laughs) you know that's one thing um i don't know i it's every time i i read it or hear it i'm like 
okay, I don't get it. I don't get it. I really don't get it. It just seems so everything's solid. It, yeah. like, what? I, I just don't get it. And just reading that same paragraph, which I was going to bring up before you brought it up is the knowing of something that reading that yesterday, again, I was like, Oh, wow. Like that really changed my thinking and the way, you know, I'm going to think about things and the things that I want now. I'm like, Oh yeah. I know that I'm going to have that, or I know, you know, that I'm going to be this, or I'm going to do that, you know, something or, that I desire. Yeah. Or you know that if it's for you, you'll, it'll come. Right. Right. So yeah. you don't have to start yeah. stop controlling everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we understand that we're eternal, but we don't know it. We understand that we're magnificent and limitless, but we don't know it. Once, if you uh. could get to know that, you know, or know it more. And that has to do with your beliefs. So in this last I was just paragraph, say, so how do we do that? <laughs> do beliefs shape your perception more? of the world. The wonderful thing is that your beliefs can change more easily than you think. Don't worry about that now because it's our intention to lead you in a way that will help you mold your beliefs. You are the creator of your existence and you create your beliefs. You could construct a sculpture of magnificent beauty if you were led to the skills needed to create such work. It might take a little time, but if you had the interest and patience, you would be able to create a work of art. We'll give you the tools, and if you have the interest and a little patience, you will create a masterpiece that is the highest version of you. So Josh was saying that they're going to give you the tools to mold your beliefs so that you can create the masterpiece that is you. Interesting. Okay. All right, so section two then goes on to say that everything is right. That also means that everyone else is right too. That if there is no wrong in the universe, no one else can be wrong. And if no one else is wrong, then how are they right? Well, from their perspective, they're right. It's what they think. It's what they believe. It's how they feel. And we may see things differently than they do, but we can't even begin to imagine what they are perceiving. And so that everything we perceive, the color red, you know, the size of something, the time it takes to do something is done from our unique perspective. And so everyone else has their unique perspective as well. And it turns out that the reason we're here is to have a unique perspective and that we are all unique and everyone is unique and everyone is equal and everyone is perceiving things in a unique way that's never been perceived before. And that uniqueness is what, def is what uh, defines your worthiness. If you're unique and if you're equal to all that has ever lived, all that's living now and all that will ever live because your perception of reality is unique and it's adding to all that is, then you are as worthy but no more worthy than everyone else who's ever lived or whoever will live. We're all equal. There is no difference. And I think we're getting to understand that now in 2019. But if you think about older cultures, there were these class systems and you were born into a class. You were not as worthy as the merchant class or the royalty or the wealthy. But now we know that's all bullshit. Okay, so it's also, if we're the creator of our reality, 
it means that no one else can create in our reality. And we can't create in their reality, which means that no one has any control over us because they can't make us think anything or make us believe anything. Now they have influence, but we can reject that influence or accept it as we see fit. But if they can't control us and we can't control them, then we can allow other people to just do their own thing. We don't have to worry about it. And, and I think we've all noticed when we've tried to control someone else, it doesn't work, you know? And there is, you know, we've all been programmed to try to manipulate others to get what we want. And most of us do this by being good. You know, your parents would say, if you're good, we'll express love to you. If you're bad, then we're going to withhold that love until you get good again. And so we said, okay, then what we'll do is we'll be good to get that love. And then you go out into the world and you try and be good and you're not getting love. And you're like, why isn't this working? It's mm -hmm. because you can't control others. Everything is a reflection of the vibration you're emitting. And if that vibration is full of control, you're going to find out just exactly how that doesn't work. Okay, so we learned there's a, a lot of conditioning going on and a lot of people trying to make us conform. And the reason for that is fear. If you're conforming, your parents will assume that everything's working out for you and that you'll be an upstanding member of society and, and that's how things go. And if you don't conform, then they're gonna have fear, they're gonna ask you to conform. Because that, that fear that they're fearing, that they're feeling, is that you're not gonna turn out well and you're gonna be a reflection on them and they're not gonna feel good. So they wanna feel good and the way they do that is by trying to control you as a kid. So we're all conditioned to being good. I mean that, if you, Joshua said this before, but if you took a day in your life, say when you're 10 years old, you wouldn't believe how many times you were told to do something or be good or whatever. And you know, that conditioning was always going on your entire childhood. So it's very strong within us. But conformity is not natural for a child. Um, okay, so the universe has the prim a primary law that holds it together called the law of attraction. Like is drawn to like. What you think manifests in your reality. What another thing manifests in their reality, it's simply the way of the universe and, and is absolute and consistent. If it works for one, it works for all. Okay, so if, <laughs> if you think about a million dollars, is that going to manifest in your reality? Well, depends how you think about it, you know, and that's the key here. Most of the time when we're thinking about a million dollars, we're really noticing how the million dollars is not here. And so we're exploring the lack of it. We're thinking about the lack of the million dollars. And if you were to release your need or desire to have that million dollars because most of us who have that desire are thinking this will solve problems. Um, then it comes to you easier, but it's generally comes to you as a side effect of something else you're doing. Rose, would you agree with that? <laughs> Rose is living I, on the I ocean there. Show us, show <laughs> us your ocean view from your condo on the beach. There you go. 
Yep. Um, so jealous. So, Rose manifested an oceanfront condo. Good for nice. you, Rose. Yep. Okay. Um, if you're the creator of your life and all others are the creator of their lives, then you are the center of your universe and each and every other individual is the center of their universe. Therefore, there are multiple universes all entangled, all unfolding and all working together at the same time. If you can understand that aspect of reality, you can set yourself free. You no longer need to be involved in the lives of others since they create their own reality and you create your own reality. And because they can't create in your reality and you can't create in their reality, then it really doesn't matter what you do and it doesn't matter what they do. You are free, they are free. You can be who you wanna be and they are free to be who they wanna be. Imagine the freedom in that, that you don't have to do anything to control other people or even control yourself. So are we all familiar with the fact that we have inner selves? Abraham yes. talks about this in detail, right? We are not here alone. We are always with our inner self. And we know this because our inner self sends us emotion and we are always feeling something. And you're either feeling good, meaning that you are in alignment with your inner self's perspective, or you're feeling bad, which means that you're out of alignment with your inner self's perspective because you're choosing a perspective that is limited and your inner self will never choose that perspective. So what is this guidance? Does anyone know what that guidance is? What guidance, your emotions? Yeah, your emotions, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's sort of like, as Abraham would say, that hot and cold game. You're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you're getting hot, you're hot. Or you're getting colder, you're getting colder, you're freezing, you're freezing, you're freezing. The other day, Joshua talked about this analogy. Imagine you're in one of those corn mazes and you have a friend in a tower and you have this device and the device either blinks green or red. And if you're on, your friend in this tower is sending you the signals. If you're going in the right direction of the exit, then the signal's green. And if you went off in some detour, the signal's red. And you don't get mad at the signal, right? saying this is the right way, you know? <laughs> That's what we do, we get negative emotion and we double down on that resistance. And we say, no, this is how it should be. All you're doing is getting a single signal that you're off track. That's all emotions are. A negative emotion doesn't mean you're bad or anything. It just means that you're exploring something you did not intend to explore and you're off the track of the discovery of who you truly are. When you're feeling good and when you get into this Joshua stuff, you will realize that feeling good is your only goal, is your only thing that you, that you focus on, is the most important thing that you can do, is figure out a way to feel good. Because that means you're in alignment with your inner self, right? Yeah. And when you feel negative emotion, you really wanna feel it strongly. And most people don't feel their emotions that strong. We do because we're more sensitive people and this is how we found this information. But, you know, we still mute our negative emotion to quite a degree and we don't even notice it that much. Uh, when you get really good at feeling good, you'll go with longer stretches of feeling good. But when you do face a manifestation event, 
you're going to feel negative emotions so intensely and you're going to be like, why am I freaking out over this little thing? Well, you want to freak out over little things because it, it you know, it gets your attention. Um, so who you are on the outside at this present moment is a product of your experiences up to this point. Much of those experiences developed from events and circumstances that trace your life. But unseen in those experiences are the feelings and the emotions you had at the time. Those feelings and emotions are much harder to remember than the actual events. However, they played a very large part in the un unfolding of those events. Your feelings and emotions are resources from your inner self. They are part of your guidance system. They form your experience. What you think and feel creates your reality. But there are also the aspects of time. Your reality is not instantly materialized. It is molded over time. It is created through your thoughts, feelings, emotions, and unfolds based on, your, on uh, what your feelings indicate. There is another law that you'll learn beside the law of attraction called uh, the law of continuity. And so one moment leads into the next so that this room looks pretty much the same all the time. And my life looks pretty much the same all the time. But as I start to feel better, over time things shift and new experiences come to me. The purpose of this system is that you don't want things to change radically. You want them to change smoothly so that you can understand this journey that you take from a limited perspective to a higher perspective. And so when you change, start to change your beliefs, your reality slowly begins to change. And Joshua will point out that patience is key here. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, your life unfolds good or bad based on the thoughts and feelings. However, your memory is of the manifestation and not the thoughts and feelings that led to the manifestation. You might have been aware that you created each event or you might have thought that fate led you to the outcome, but it was consistent thought that led you from possibility to hope to likelihood to actualization. The time lag between the initial idea and the outcome is directly related to the pace in which you travel from possibility to hope to likelihood to knowing, right? And once you know something, it's manifested. So we're really all we're doing is making this journey from doubt to knowing. And that's what we're here for is those journeys. That's the expansive journey of self-discovery. When you manifest anything, you at first don't think it could happen and then you go step by step through experiences and you come to a new perspective. And once you know something, it's manifested. Um, right now, thanks to the boot camp, I have found my soul's purpose. And my soul's purpose is to be a spiritual leader and teacher. And so that took six years from the time I first started channeling Joshua to where I am now. Now, if you could look at my life six years ago, it was totally, totally different than it is now. And if you had asked that version of me, do you want to become a spiritual leader and teacher? That version would have said, are you kidding? That's crazy. I'm just a normal guy. And now I sit here and I'm like, my whole life was set up for me to get to this place. 
And the life I'm living in 2019 is so much more satisfying, rewarding, and enjoyable than the life I was living in 2013. But I had to go through all those experiences and remove so much doubt, especially about what channeling was and what other people would think about me, to where I can come here now. And it wasn't until this year that I actually posted anything about Joshua on my personal Facebook page because I was afraid of what people thought. And now I'm posting stuff all the time because now I've gotten comfortable and I know that I'm a spiritual leader and teacher. And so that was the journey from total, total doubt to who I truly am. And that's the journey that all of you can make as well. Can you think of anything else you've manifested? Chris, tell us about the manifestation of your children. That's a good story. Um, <clears throat> yes, I, um, my ex-wife and I, we, we met uh, in, it's kind of weird, but we, we went to separate schools and um, I went to a very small uh, rural school, 250 students, freshmen through seniors. Uh, that was it. And uh, the neighboring town, uh, quite a bit larger. Uh, but anyway, uh, our friends had been trying, they went to the opposite high schools as well. They had dated all through high school and tried to get us set up for four years. Uh, never worked between working and different things going on. We never met. So we met about, uh, I guess it was three years after she was going to University of Illinois, actually was engaged with another guy named Chris. Um, their uh, their uh, engagement ended, uh, you know, for whatever reason. And uh, my friends asked me if I wanted to go to the movies with them. So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll go. So we went to the movie theater and, and it was in a mall. Um, and as we're going there, we swung by lens crafters unbeknownst to me, that's where she was working. She had moved home, moved back with her parents. And this was in the summertime. Pulled the fast one on me so I could get to meet her was what they were. That was their intention. And, uh, quite frankly, I wasn't very impressed. Uh, <laughs> I was like, Oh, hello. And, uh, I don't know. I was, I was living life, enjoying life as a young, you know, 20 something year old. And, uh, I just, you know, yeah, just wasn't impressed with her. And, and she kind of felt bad because she wasn't dialed up either. So she was just like embarrassed and was trying to get me out of there as quick as possible. And, uh, she goes, well, I'm just going through a lot and, uh, not knowing that she had broken up their, their engagement. And, uh, she goes, but, uh, would you take a rain check? And I'm, and I was just trying to be nice. I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, then unbeknownst to me, one night at work, uh, I was going to school full-time during the day and working full-time at night. I put myself through college and the phone rang. And so I was a supervisor. I picked it up and I was making plans with a friend of mine. We were in my office and we were talking about, okay, we're going to go out. We're going to do this. We're going to do that after work. And uh, uh, she, the phone rang. I answered it. And she goes, is this Chris? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, well, this is Carrie. And uh, she goes, you remember me? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. She goes, well, uh, I did just wanted to see if you had any plans tonight. And so uh, I said, you know, as a matter of fact, I don't have any plans that I, as I was looking at my friend <laughs> and I, I went like this, <laughs> waved him out, closed the door. Uh, and I, it was, yeah, Friday, October the 13th. And uh, she goes, I wouldn't wanted to know if you wanted to take me up on that rain check. And that's what attracted me to her. It was the, the boldness because most women don't do that. And the fact that she did, it was like, caught my interest immensely so 
we went out, we hung out together all night. She, we went over to a friend's, our friend's house and uh, hung out till about 4 a.m. She left and then um, uh, about four hours later, she came back at 8 a.m. to talk to Jake you know, about this great Chris guy. And I was still there talking to him about how great she was because we talked all night. We ended up hanging out all weekend. So that was Friday, October the 13th through that weekend. And we just basically hung out every day. And it was about three, four weeks into it when she stopped by my work. And uh, the light was just in her eyes right. And I saw um, my kids' eyes through her. Um, and so, um, yeah, it was, it, it, it was, I could see it. And uh, what was funny about it, so we got married December 16th. So I was a, we were both very, like, straight-A students, all Americans, very level-headed, and both of our sense of preparedness were like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> you, you just had a first date on October 13th, and now you're getting married December 16th. And through that time, I also found out biologically she was not able to have children. Um, but I was, I made up my mind, even though I had that, uh, where I could see my children's eyes and hers, I, I was okay with that. I'm like, that's good. We'll, we'll move, we'll move in together. We'll get married. We'll still finish college and then we'll adopt later on when we're established. And, uh, then a few months later, uh, all of a sudden my firstborn Dakota was conceived. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's got a, a medical condition that, uh, she, uh, biologically should not have been able to fertilize an egg. Uh, and then secondly, she was on a medication uh, to uh, manage her endometriosis uh, and on birth control anyway for all that. And somehow we still conceived Dakota. Uh, it was really, uh, and her, when she called her doctor, he was like, no way, that's impossible. You need to come in here. <laughs> and he was like, sure enough, you are. He goes, I can't believe it. He was just dumbfounded. And so we had Dakota. Um, so you only had the one kid? Well, and then uh, <laughs> after he was born, <laughs> a few months later, Clayton was conceived. Uh, and then a few years later, Hunter was conceived. And then a couple years after that, Jackson was conceived. Wow. So yeah, now I have four boys, 23, 21, uh, 18, and 15. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, it's been really good. They've been a blessing in my life. And But you knew it. But no I matter what it. they said, yeah. Yeah, no matter what they said. And I also kind of give credit to my Germanic, Norwegian, you know, heritage, you know, for having strong testosterone and overcoming all <laughs> biological odds. I know you like that one, Rose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't let me touch your hand. You're going to get pregnant. <laughs> all right. Well, that's perfect because this leads us right in this next part where it says doubt is what keeps you from activating your dreams. It slows the pace of manifestation and holds you in place stalled without the power of momentum. There is a natural momentum that leads from idea to manifested reality. Doubt hinders that momentum. Fear and doubt are the same thing. They are projections of unwanted future outcomes of an idea. They are also potential manifestations that are as valid as the desire. When you desire something, you do so in the future tense. Doubt and fear are also based in a future outcome or possibility. The desire is one outcome and the doubt is another. Since only one outcome can, outcome can occur, the one with the strongest momentum will be the likely result. And this is why Joshua says there is no um, benefit of doubt, right? And so, so that's how the knowing is so much into this. And this is sort of amazing because I really haven't read, read this for a couple of years. And it's, you know, 
imagine going through five books and all the stuff that we've done, and it's all here in the introduction of this first book. Um, okay. So that means Christopher's momentum was right there, huh? Well, he didn't have any doubt, right? Right. He saw, and he didn't have any attachment to an outcome. So he, had, he did two things. He could see his child's eyes in her eyes, right. and he didn't care if it was natural or through adoption. He was good either way. So he didn't have any doubt. Right. Right. And then just what, what was supposed to happen happened. He allowed it to happen. Had he had doubt, he would say, listen, I really want kids. She can't have a kid. Maybe she's not for me. But right. he didn't have any of that doubt. All right. Pretty cool. Um, okay, so Joshua explains that fear is a projection of an unwanted outcome. It's the path toward an end that is unpleasant based on your current understanding of what you do not want. You have control over fear. Fear and worry are the same thing. Um, fear is often the result of analysis at the point of a decision. Worry is a thought form that tends to be repeated over and over again. Therefore, it carries more intrinsic possibilities for future outcomes than fear. A fearful thought is brief, but worry can be chronic. Yeah. You know, and worry is, is if you're worrying about something that's happening in the future, this is what you're thinking about, right? And this is how things are manifested. As you will learn as you go through this book, that if nothing bad can happen to you, then the subject of your worry can't be bad either. So if that does happen to you, and as Joshua says all the time now, if the thing you worry about actually happens, you will find that it's the best thing that could have ever happened, right? You never had to fear it. So now if you can think of it from that perspective, okay, if this thing that I'm worried about happens, it's going to turn out to be the best thing that could possibly happen. Therefore, I don't care about it anymore. I don't worry about it. Because if it does happen, okay, it happens. You know. All right. So Gary, can I touch on that for a second? Sure. Sure. So uh, for about 20 years, I've had a relatively successful professional career and I've had, you know, enjoyed uh, advancement opportunities. And nonetheless, throughout my cycle, every three to five years, um, I've always had this worry about getting fired and then all of a sudden my income is lost and yada, everything, you know, the sky is falling type of thing. <laughs> you know, everything bad will happen. And, uh, and it's crazy how it has repeated itself. But recently, you know, studying with you and going through the boot camp and whatnot, uh, I had a new uh, a new career to start six months ago, and everything was going great. And all of a sudden, I got a new boss Labor Day weekend that week, and he was just like my previous boss that I left um, <laughs> back yeah. in February. What are the odds? What, yeah, what, <laughs> but but what was interesting is this time though, um, I didn't worry about it, and it was interesting to see. Like I processed it in my head as like, okay, why is this emotion coming up? Uh, and, and if anything bad happens, it is for me and that's okay. Cause I'm going to benefit, I'm going to learn something and I'll, and there'll be something either better 
or I will get through it. I'll, I'll understand that uh, that struggle or that moment in time led to something else that I needed to experience. But once I uh, took control of that worry and that fear, recognized what it is, it had no benefit for me and just say, I'm going to do the best I can. He's going to recognize that I'm his, you know, his best uh, manager on his team. Uh, and if not, it's okay. Yeah. And all of a sudden, once I processed that click, because um, he and I didn't get along the first week he was there, but that second week, all of a sudden, he's like putting his arm around me, like, man, I'm talking, yeah, you're doing great. And all of a sudden, the plant's performance like doubled in, in, in the same time. And, you know, it was just crazy. It's like every, all the employees started following my leadership. They were 100% on board at that point. You know, everything we had been struggling for six months, all, everything started clicking. And it was just changing my, just dismissing the worry and the fear. Yeah. You know, just changing your perspective of you. So exactly. your perspective of, I could be a victim to this guy who could, who could control my reality. Right. Or no, I create my own reality and I'm going to choose to perceive him in a different way that is more empowering. Boom. Everything starts working. It did. That's yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So Joshua says here, you are a magnificent, worthy being. And this world has been created for your pleasure, expansion, and joy. That says everything right there. You are worthy. You're magnificent. You're limitless. And this world has been created for your pleasure and expansion and joy. And so if we could live life with that you know, concept firmly in our mind, that all of this is for our pleasure, but sometimes we see it as wrong. And that wrong is the illusion. So our only work there is to see through the illusion. All right. So that is the introduction to a perception of reality. It's, it, it really is amazing how those eight pages are foretelling what the book was gonna be all about on that first day that it came through. And that this book follows that introduction perfectly. And so next time we'll go into chapter one, the laws of the universe and universal forces. And with this background information, we adjust our beliefs and this will naturally give us a higher perspective of things. And we are raising our vibrations as we're seeing things from this higher perspective. And so we're allowing bigger things to come to us. That's what the beauty is of talking about this stuff. And I'm so glad that all of you could be here. Thanks again for coming. Take yourselves off mute and say goodbye to everyone. And we will see you all next week. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. It was great. Thank you. Awesome. And if you want to know more about the book club and be on this podcast with us, go to the Facebook group, uh, Friends of Joshua, and I will admit you into that group if you're not already in it. Um, and then we post when we're having this meeting, we're gonna do it once or twice a week. Um, and then you know we'll go through this first book, A Perception of Reality, and then we'll go through each of the Joshua books, and then we'll get onto other books as we go through. Other books too. Um, yep. Hey. Okay, so if you wanna contact me for anything, just go to joshuateachings at gmail.com. And until next time, goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. 
Okay, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? That was the introduction, the full introduction uh, written in 2013, I think. Yeah, November 15th, I think I wrote that in one day. It was first thing I ever wrote from Joshua. Uh, it was like about nine o'clock in the morning and the whole thing was written in half an hour, exactly as you heard it. And uh, it gets better and better and better. And there are five Joshua books now. So if you'd like to buy that book, go to uh, Amazon and just search my name, Gary Temple Bodley, and you'll see all the books there. Also, please do us a favor and like and subscribe to this podcast and absolutely share it with your friends, share it on Facebook. Um, you know, this is such a cool book and it's cool to hear how people are talking about it and how they're incorporating it in their lives. And I'm sure you all have someone in your life that would benefit from listening to this book. Um, also, please uh, join our Friends of Joshua Facebook group. And if you'd like to know more about the boot camp starting on January 11th, please send me an email to garybodley at gmail.com. Until next time, have a wonderful week. Bye.